Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Everybody slept in yesterday and got some rest because, wow, I, one more time. Good morning. Good morning. Man, I feel so good today. All right, that's good. That means I don't have to work quite as hard to get you prepped for what God wants to do in your life today. Welcome to Hillside Assembly. My name is Eric. I am the lead pastor here, and we're so excited that you're here today for today's worship experience. If you're here in person, it's your first time here, we'd love for you to stop by our table in the foyer. We've got some free gifts that we'd love to send you home with. And if you could fill out a connection card, we'd love to connect with you this week and get to know you a little bit better. Of course, you can always find out more information about us on our webpage, hillsideassembly.org. We'll have an opportunity for giving at the end of service. You can give uh, in the foyer in our giving box, or you can always give online, again, at our webpage, hillsideassembly.org. We're excited about the things God is doing, what God wants to do today, and to talk to us about a few of the things that are coming up here in the near future at Hillside. I think Jeb has a message for us today. Well, welcome to Hillside this morning. My name is Jeb, and I get to do the announcements with you. Who's excited to be in church today? Woo, yeah, yeah, I'm hearing it. I'm feeling it. I think you're excited to be here. I know I'm excited to be here with you. Let's talk about what's coming up next weekend at Hillside. We've got some very special guests that Luke and Mandy are bringing over. They're doing a church crawl. They're, they're allowing students to come and visit different churches, and they're going to be here next weekend to share our worship experience together. So, so let's make sure we welcome them next week. And if you want to wear your favorite college t-shirt or, or sweatshirt, you feel free to do that. We're going to have a great college worship experience together next Sunday. Well, we're excited about a very special weekend coming up in the very near future. It's our BGMC weekend. Do you know what BGMC stands for? It's Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge. Our boys and girls, they're raising money. They've been saving up all their coins for, for almost a year. And we're doing a very special offering uh, on this weekend where they're going to be able to bring in all their change. And so we're going to do a whole weekend of celebrating BGMC with my good friend, Buddy Barrel. So it kicks off on Friday, September 10th. We're doing a worship night and brat fry. All the proceeds are going to go to BGMC. And we're going to have very special guests with us that night. One of our, our ministry partners, all the way from Eurasia, Miss Marianne Adams will be with us. We're also going to have Buddy Barrel himself. That's a huge thing. Buddy Barrel will be at our worship night. 
So it, it's going to be great. We're doing worship. We're doing the brat fry. We'll have hot dogs and brats and chips and pop and all sorts of things. It's going to be a great night. So I'm looking forward to that. September 10th at 7 p.m. Now the next day on Saturday the 11th at 10 a.m. We've got a special ladies event right here at Hillside. It, it's going to be about chocolates and Jesus. Miss Marianne will be showing our ladies how to make their very own candies and chocolates. She'll also bring in an encouraging word that day. So you don't want to miss that, ladies. Invite your friends. It's open to the community, women only, and it's going to be at 10 a.m. on September 11th. It'll go till about noon. Now, the action continues on Sunday morning for BGMC Sunday. Our Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge will have our special offering. So bring your buddy barrels, bring your loose change, and we're going to get all that stuff gathered together and send it over to our missionary partners. We'll also have the AG Express Kids Worship Team here. Those guys know how to shoot, scoot, and boogie. And so we're going to have a great worship experience. Miss Marianne Adams will be preaching the word, and we've got some other great surprises as well that morning. So don't miss BGMC Weekend, Friday, September 10th, Saturday, September 11th, and Sunday, September 12th. We're going to have a great time together. But I think it's time now for us to worship today. So would you stand to your feet and get ready for Mr. Mike and our incredible worship team to lead us into the presence of God. Are you ready to worship? Let's do it. Amen. Hey, you know, I, I just got to say that Pastor Mary Ann is in the house. Let's hear it for her. She tried to sneak in unawares, but uh, I saw her. Good to have you back, Mary Ann. Uh, we're going to be celebrating communion today and all that Jesus has done for us. And uh, we're going to sing a couple of those grand old hymns. And uh, we're going to start out with, there is power in the blood. And it says in the book of Hebrews that through a new and living way, Jesus entered in to the holy of holies, not with the blood of bulls or goats or animals, but with his own precious blood. He paid the price. Jesus paid it all. Amen? Amen. All right, Robbie, start us off. Would you be free? Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you worry all the victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder 
saving power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. Let's clap our hands. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. There is power. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. He's going to keep us on track. Again, we're going to sing the old rugged cross, a favorite of many of yours. On a hill far away. On a hill far away. Stood an old rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and Jesus, I 
church we love to celebrate but there's also moments on the other end of that spectrum emotionally where there's some sorrow and grieving that happens I know this morning four different individuals told me they lost a family member this week um, and so we want to let you know we're praying for you we love you and we're praying for God's mercy and grace to comfort you as well as coming alongside of you and doing life together we also know that this morning, 13 of our servicemen returned home. Freedom doesn't come free. And our men and women that serve this country lay down their lives in ways that a lot of us cannot imagine. And I know there's a lot of passion and emotion and feelings about that. But this morning, there are family members that need a touch from God. And then as we brace uh, down in, in the New Orleans area for Hurricane Ida, our missionary partners stand ready to serve um, as that uh, tropical storm comes on, on land. And uh, we just want to pray for our, for our, our, our families, uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and those that live in that area, uh, that they would be wise with their choices and that God's grace and mercy and power would be on display uh, in the midst of this storm. So can we pray together this morning for these things? Maybe you've had a rough week as well, and maybe your heart is just exhausted. Maybe that's the best word for it, and you just need God to touch and refill your life today. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we can come together and celebrate, Lord, all the amazing things, the good things, the that your grace, your love, your mercy, all the things that should be celebrated in life. But Lord, we are so grateful as well that we can bring our hurts, our pains, our sorrows, frustrations to you as well. Lord, we pray for those who have lost family members today, that God, your grace and mercy would be extended to them. You'd wrap your arms around them, and Lord, we would just do life as well. We want to extend our arms around them and let them know that they are loved, they are not alone. Lord, we thank you this morning, God, for our men and women who serve this country faithfully in so many different ways. And Lord, as 11 of our heroes come back home today, and those families stand and receive those bodies, Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus, that God, you would stand among them, and that God, your grace and love and mercy would be extended to those family members that, Lord, you would send your people to walk beside them and comfort them. 
Lord, we pray, Lord, for our states along the southern border today, that, Lord, this tropical storm that will make land today, that, God, while buildings might fall away, while floodwaters may wash away a lot of things, Lord, you will stand firm. And, God, we ask for your grace and mercy to be extended on those that are going to be hit by this storm. We pray for wisdom in the decisions that they make today and the days ahead. And, Lord, we pray for our churches and our ministry partners in those areas. God, they would be ready to respond to the needs that will come in the days ahead. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be the church, to just not sit in a pew, but Lord, to respond to the things that happen in our local area, across our nation, and across the globe. We give you praise, glory, and honor this morning. And God's people said, amen. 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 You can be seated. We're going to transition to the word. And I think Jeb may have one thing to say to our younger people today. Let's see. Well, do you know what time it is? It's time for Kids Church. All you kiddos, get up on your feet and go meet Miss Jackie in the back of the sanctuary. She's ready to go downstairs with you guys. And everybody else, let's give these kiddos a cheer. Come on, let's hear it. You can be louder than that. See you kiddos downstairs. Well, next week, Jeb will be sharing with us exactly what BGMC, what it does, how you can participate that. And if you don't have a Buddy Barrel yourself, next week, we're going to make sure that you have the opportunity to go home with one for our BGMC Sunday. And then next week, man, we're going to have a great time with our college students. I will be preaching, but those college students will be visiting our church next week. We're going to love on them. While a bunch of the students will be receiving care package this week with Luke and Mandy, our ministry partners on the college campus, we'll have a personal hillside gift for each of the college students that visits us next week here at the church as well. And so we want to love on our college students. Amen? Okay, you weren't quite as excited there as you were to be in church. Let's try that again. Uh, We want to love on our college students, amen? Amen. All right, we're doing okay. Look, with all the things that are happening in our world today, uh, as we watched things unfold in Afghanistan, um, it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking. And And when we have issues like this, the storm that will roll in today, when we work through these things, often the question is, how can a God who has absolute authority allow these things to happen? And I want to share with you for just a moment before we get into the message, my thoughts on that. Something that my wife shared with me recently has stuck in my heart and it's brought a lot of clarity. One of the things that it's hard to describe is our our English language is so limited on our word selection, especially when it comes to describing characteristics of God. So it makes it hard to define things. Like, let me give you an existence. We say we have one word for love. But we go, I love pizza and I love my spouse. Now, hopefully you don't love them the same way. And if you do, we have counseling available Tuesday through Friday. Um, But, you know, words are so limited in our English language. And I thought it was great when someone explained it this way. This week, and, and if not this week, next week, a lot of us who have kids, they'll be back in school. They'll walk into their classrooms and there will be an individual in that classroom that's in charge. They set the rules. They set the tone. They set the atmosphere. But they are given a tremendous gift called free will. And those students have the ability 
to work within the guidelines of the person that has authority and who's in charge, or they can choose not to go along with the authority and the rules set in place by the person in charge. And when that happens, there will be consequences for those actions. God has given you and I the exact same gift. Every person that walks the face of this earth has the exact same gift, a choice of free will. God's in charge this morning. He's not absent. He is in the room. But this world is broken, and it's broken because of the choices that we've made. It started with Adam and Eve, and we're still making bad choices today. But we have a choice to line up with God and to sit underneath his authority. And here's the promise that God gives us. While not everything in this world will be healed, what comes after this world for those who trust in Jesus will be absolutely perfect. That's where the reward is, folks. That's where there's no more tears. There is brokenness in this world. And we can still have joy. We can still have hope. This is not a downward message. Like, I feel like everybody's like, this has gotten so heavy so quick. Um, God is good and he's faithful, all right? And even in the midst of all of the craziness and tragedy and heartbreak that's happened this last week, God is still moving in great ways. Lives are being touched and changed. Even in the places where it's the darkest. Even in the places where it's the darkest. I, I was able to hear someone this last week who shared ministry still happening in Afghanistan. In the midst of all of this, God is moving in great ways. That's incredible. Incredible. God is still in charge. Amen? He's still in charge. Let's make sure this morning our hearts are in the right place. Well, we're in a, a, a sermon series called Just Like Jesus, and we've kind of got a mini series within our series, and here's where we're at. We're picking up in a section of scripture where uh, representatives, religious leaders, and the political establishment descend on Jesus as he's ministering in the temple. They're trying their absolute best to trip him up, discredit his ministry and his character with questions that they're asking. He answers four of their questions, and then he asks them a question that silenced them for good. So we're ex exploring these conversations and pulling out some spiritual truths that will help us be more like Jesus. Now, these are difficult messages for sure. And last week, we, cut, we, we went over the first question. Today, we're hopefully going to get two more in, and we'll sum this up next week uh, with the final message in this sermon series, mini-series together. But the title of today's message is this, Stop the Drama. I love the picture of this owl. Because haven't you ever been there? We, we go to the store, we're out doing something, and, and somebody takes a situation, and then they just amp it up to like 13, right? The dial's on two, three. They're like crank it to 13, and they just over-dramatize everything, right? It's just, it's the craziness. There's a meme that's going on right now. You might have heard of the Karen, the Karen attitudes, right? But these sometimes it's like, it's just dra drama. Like we take it and we take it completely out of context. We take it to the extreme. And, and usually that what happens is there's a lot of people with their faces like this owl, like what, what, what's going on? 
And I think sometimes this owl's face is what Jesus must have looked like when people came up to him and just over-dramatized everything. Like, he's like, not that he's shocked and surprised. He's just kind of like, for real? <laughs> like, what? Like, like, and that's where our, our scripture is going today. These moments where there's, there's drama. Before we jump into the scripture, though, let me put on my teaching hat for just a moment and talk to you about biblical truths versus personal convictions. There's a dramatic difference between biblical truths and personal convictions. But too often, as Christians, we confuse the two. We live and die by biblical truths that are found in God's word. Biblical truths, guess where they'd be found? In the Bible. I know, that's crazy, but that's where they're at. If you don't have one, we will get you one, all right? If you, if you prefer to do digital, we'll help you get an app to get the Bible on your phone, your iPad, your computer. We want you to get the word of God in you. So if you need one, we'll make sure you have one. Biblical truths, it's what we live and die by. Personal convictions are not nearly as foundational to living out our Christian life. Now, I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't have personal convictions. We should. But they're different than biblical truths. Convictions have more to do with our personal choices. But Christians have been divided over what Paul referred to as disputable issues ever since the first century church. Since the church began, this has been an issue. Most church fights from the first century down to absolutely today are almost always not over biblical issues. The fights are almost always over personal convictions regarding personal choices. We look at a passage of scripture in Romans 4, 1 through 3. It talks about this. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man's faith is weak and eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. For God has accepted him. So what this tells us is, if you've got big faith, you should be eating bacon and steak. Like somebody's like, is this a biblical truth? Like what? <laughs> is this personal conviction? What are we talking about? Now they're just using, Paul's using this as an example to talk about because, because some people believe that. Okay, if you're going to follow Jesus, then hey, you just got to do this or got to do that. And all these things that aren't biblical truths, but personal convictions. There was, this, there was this infighting in this, these, these people getting hurt over these things. And unfortunately, disputable issues still divide and hurt Christians today. Just some of these things are issues of drinking alcohol, dancing, clothing, movies, music, video games, holidays, and believe me, as a pastor, I've heard that one, Holidays, whether or not you should have a Christmas tree or not, whether or not it's okay to have an Easter egg hunt, because some people will tell you you're going to hell if you're doing that. Tattoos, body piercing, styles of worship and prayer, homeschooling your kids, personal medical choices like the vaccine or not to vaccine. Let me explain to you really quickly, every single one of those are personal convictions, not biblical truths. And you can be very passionate about those, but they're personal convictions. 
Biblical truths are God loves you, that the Bible is the inspired word of God, that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus came and rose again, that he's got a mission and he is after people's lives. He wants to change and transform people's lives. He wants a relationship with every single human being on the face of the planet. Grace and mercy, the Holy Spirit's here to empower you and the 10 commandments are just a few biblical truths. Those are the things that really matter. These are biblical truths. Personal convictions, important. You should have them. I want you to have them. And I want you to have personal convictions that are based on biblical values. And I want you to have personal convictions that are inspired by your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because there are times where the Holy Spirit will come alongside of you and go, hey, I want you to give up this, or I want you to pick up that. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Do you remember picking things up and putting them down? And the Holy Spirit will come along to you and say, hey, Chris, I want you to pick this up. Or Chris, I want you to let this go. But, but there are some things that we need to understand about personal conviction. One, biblical truths have to have more weight in our life than personal convictions. This has to have more weight in your life than how you feel about things, than your opinion. Two, if biblical truths are in conflict with your personal convictions, the biblical truths are correct <laughs> and your convictions are wrong. There is no gray area there. If your personal convictions come into Conflict with biblical truths, biblical truths win. There's no gray area. Number three, our jobs as Christians is to share spiritual truths and not to impose our personal convictions on others. If your personal conviction, whether it is by, led by the Holy Spirit or it's just your personal preference, putting your convictions on someone else burdens that individual and hinders them from prioritizing what Jesus needs them to prioritize in their life and their journey with him. Because when the Holy Spirit comes along and says, Robbie, I need you to do this for me, and you get passionate about it, and then you might go around and say, Riley, you have to do these things because I'm passionate about them because the Holy Spirit told me I need to do them. And now you're trying to put your personal conviction onto somebody else. In the meantime, God is speaking to Riley and saying, this is what I want to do in your life right now. This is what I want to work on in your life. But Riley's only got two hands. She's only got so much room on her plate. And what she needs to prioritize is what God is speaking in her life and doing in her life and asking her to do in ministry and not what the Holy Spirit is asking someone else to do. So we need to be careful because sometimes when we're throwing around our personal convictions, we can actually hinder people from moving forward in their relationship with Jesus. So now let's jump into our scripture and see how this all plays out. We're in Mark chapter 12, verse 13. Starting there, it says this. Later, they sent some Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. 
You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? It sounds like a good question. It sounds like they respect Jesus. But we know from where we were last week in this passage and where Jesus will take us in just a few moments, their hearts aren't there. These guys are two-faced. And it's interesting to see what's happening here. A common threat has forced two enemies to unite because the Pharisees and Herodians don't get along. I mean, it's like the Hatfield and McCoys, they don't get along. The Herodians supported the family of Herod as well as the Roman Empire, who gave them authority to rule. While the Pharisees, however, considered the Herod clan to be evil usurpers of the throne. So these people hated each other. And in fact, they would have tussles in the street. There would be all sorts of issues. People died in this conflict between these individuals. It was some messed up stuff. Here they are together like, oh, Jesus, you're so great. What should we do? Not not, what, not what's going on. This temporary alliance was a subtle trap. For no matter how Jesus replied to their question, he was in trouble with either Rome or with Herod. It was going to be one or the other. But Jesus moved the discussion from politics to principle and caught these hypocrites in their own trap. So let's do that. Let's do that together. Let's move from politics to principle today. Let's see how Jesus responded to this. But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. When they were trying to trap, why are you trying to trap me? He asked, bring me a Daenerys and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is on this? Whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. And they were amazed at him. Not the, not the answer that they were looking for. This very question on whether or not the church should pay taxes is something that, that's been brought up in recent times. The question of should we pay taxes when we know that some of that tax money goes towards things that we don't agree with. It's been an issue at least since the 70s and probably before that. But I know that throughout the church, starting in the 70s, this is something that kind of goes on a cycle. There's several different things that seems to run through the church in cycles. Uh, just weird things that get brought up. This is one of these issues, and it's a hot topic right now. There are people uh, online that talk about it, uh, on YouTube and on other things. Uh, I know some radio people have talked about this whole issue and all that, but here's what I'm going to say. Let's see what the Bible says about it. Let's see what the Bible says about it, because I don't need a personal preference here to make this decision. What I need is a biblical truth. So Romans 13, 1 through 2 says, Obey the government, for God is the one who has... Put it there. Ah, yeah, about pastor. That's talking about the Roman government. That's surely not talking about our government. Let me tell you, the Roman government was, was just as corrupt, if not more corrupt, than our own government. They had a lot of issues they were dealing with. And in fact, a lot of the social issues we deal with today, the Roman Empire dealt with it as well. Yeah, but that's, but, but, you know, surely God is talking about a government that's established underneath his rule. Well, the very next sentence says this, there is no government anywhere that God has not placed in power. 
But I don't think I need to, really need to expand on that because God pretty much covered it all. He's the one who, who allowed it to happen. But then it goes on. It just doesn't end there. There's no government that anywhere, anywhere that God has not placed in power. To those who refuse to obey the law of the land are refusing to obey God and punishment will follow. Okay. So what's the law of our land? Pay your taxes. <laughs> Look, you don't have to like it. There's nothing in here that says you're going to do it and you're going to like it. No, look, let's just be honest. There's no one in this room that likes to pay taxes. And if there is somebody in this room, I want to bless you. If that's your spiritual gift, feel free to pay mine. I'm cool with that. All right. Nobody wants to pay taxes. It's the law of the land. So yes. And if you don't like the laws that we have, we have a system that allows us to change those. Work the system work the system. But I've heard things, people on the radio, even people I've had conversations with from time to time over the years said things like, look, if we, the church just decided to not pay their taxes, if we all just didn't pay our taxes, it's not like they're going to come arrest us all. Let me walk down that bunny trail with you for a moment. Yes, they will. <laughs> yes, they will. Are you kidding? Think about this for a moment. The devil doesn't like our church. I, I, I can't speak for every church. I can tell you this. He doesn't like this church. He doesn't like what's going on here because we've prioritized the word of God and reaching people who need Jesus. That is, that is what we're talking about today. It's what we're doing tomorrow. That is the call of this church. The devil doesn't like either of those. And you don't think for a moment, if we said, if I, got one, if I got up here and told you to stop paying your taxes, you probably should get a new pastor right away. But let's just say we did that. You don't think the devil's going to jump all over that? Man, we would have the FBI and whoever else here. We'd, they'd, they'd, a spectacle of us getting in handcuffs and being put in the back of a car. And you guess who, no, guess who suffers the most? The people who need Jesus in our community. That's not what I want to be known for. You know what I want to be known for? Hillside Assembly loves the people in our community and they love God. That's what I want to be known for. Let's prioritize the important things and let's do those things together. Jesus said, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. Listen, God wants your heart and not your tax money. <laughs> Now, you're like, whoa, pastor said we don't have to tithe anymore. That's not what I said. God wants your heart. Because the truth is, if God is in control of your heart, if you submit to his authority, guess what? You're tithing before you pay your taxes anyway. And you know what happens when you do that? There's a blessing on those finances. And they go to the government. And you know what? Someone higher up than us has been given the authority by God to make decisions and they decide where that money goes. The decision that they make is on them, not on us. So when people ask me, pastor, can you really sleep at night knowing that your taxes? Yes. Yes, because it's not my decision and because I tithed before I gave. So the hand of God is on it. And I hope it blesses somebody wherever it goes for whatever it's doing. 
But the minute that it leaves my hand, it's no longer my responsibility. That's not to say that I have some very strong personal feelings that I am not sharing from the pulpit because that's not the place nor the time to do that. I have some very strong opinions on things that happen in our country, in our community, and what I would like to see happen. But I'm up here to tell you the word of God, not my personal opinion this morning. So let's do this. Let's stop the drama and let's propel the gospel message forward. See, these questions that get drawn up like this, like, hey, should we be paying taxes? You know what? They're kind of a waste of time. Because somebody in our community is dying and doesn't know Jesus. And that doesn't do anything to help with that. And if we're really honest, if we go back to last week, we talked about exposing our heart and getting to the truth. The truth is, is when we ask questions like that, like, do we need to pay taxes if we don't agree? The issue is not us trying to get closer to God. I mean, if we're really honest, if we're really honest, here's the thing. We don't want to pay our taxes, and we would love a biblical principle that would allow us not to do that, to justify our feeling. But folks, that's backwards. The Bible does not exist to justify our personal convictions. The Bible is there to set our personal convictions. It's the standard, not, not, not the other way around. So let's move on. Let's see, because the drama doesn't quite stop there yet. Verse 18, then the Sadducees, so now we've got a third group. So we had two groups, right? We had the Pharisees and the Herodians, and now we've got the Sadducees. You've got three groups that don't get along with each other, all having one conversation at the same time. Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection. They did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. I got to tell you, I'm not a Sadducee this morning because I believe Jesus rose from the grave. So they believe there's no resurrection. Came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife, but no with no children, the man must... Oh, let me go back and read this again so I get it right. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. So let me give you an example of this. If Pam and I would have gotten married, which we did get married, by the way, uh, but if we would have gotten married, not had any kids, and I would have died in biblical times under the law that was there, what would happen is my next brother, Gene, would marry Pam. And if he, if he died, and it would go down to the next brother and next brother until you run out of brothers. So that was, that was the law at the time. Picking back up in verse 20. Now, there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died leaving no children. It was the same for the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. First of all, we should be asking our question, is this wife poisoning her husbands? <laughs> because seven in a row? I mean, I don't know, a little fishy there. Uh, but anyway, verse 23, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, this is the point where Jesus has the owl eyes right here. <laughs> So, what? Seven. Jesus replied, are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? That's a strong statement from our Savior. 
Are you not in error because you don't know biblical truths and the power of God that flows from those biblical truths? When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given to marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of, of, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but he is the God of the living. living. You are badly mistaken. Thank goodness we serve a God who's the God of the living. They bring this question to Jesus. And here's the question, right? The question is, is it possible? Sure. Is it probable? No. I mean, this question is like something from an episode of Days of Our Lives. Like the craziest soap opera ever. It's like there were seven brothers and none of them. And now, now this wife is left by herself. And I'm like, it's like, what? What does this have to do with changing anybody's life with the gospel? Nothing. This is craziness. Jesus turns things around. Stop causing drama and focus on what's important. God is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. He's a living God who brings life. I'm paraphrasing, but Jesus is telling these guys, stop the drama. Stop the drama, guys. Stop trying to stir all this stuff up that doesn't matter. Matthew chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Guess what? When we go into a situation, when we go through our lives, we should be bringing truth with us. We should be bringing peace with us, and we should be bringing wisdom with us to every situation we face every as an individual, as a church, and as a culture. We should step into these things grounded with biblical truth. We're not denying reality, by the way. I don't know where the church got off on this crazy tangent, but some people are like, just, just we, don't, we don't acknowledge it. We don't talk about it. We don't, it doesn't exist. I'm like, look, Jesus never denied reality. A messy life was a messy life. He rolled up his sleeves and got into the middle of it. So the church should be in the middle of everything that's going on, but we shouldn't be bringing more drama to the situation because we've been called to bring the answers. We're not supposed to be adding to the drama. We're supposed to be bringing the solution. Let's not make the situations that our, our community, that our families, that our workplaces, that our campuses are dealing with worse by adding more drama. Let's know the word of God. Let's know biblical truths. Let's have the courage inside of our own lives to be able to go, you know what? I have very strong personal feelings on this, very strong personal preferences, very strong personal convictions. But what is God asking me to do in the middle of the situation? And let's just put ourselves on the counter for a moment put it away and go, God, what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to bring? What are you asking me to say or not say in the moment? Now, 
maybe we, the church would just be better off sometimes if we just closed our mouths for a minute and just thought through before we spoke. Maybe before you respond to your spouse later today or later this week when there's a situation, before you respond, maybe think through for a moment your response before you say it because our words have consequences. Earlier this week when I got to work and, um, and it was the day that this horrible attack happened in Afghanistan and, and I had the news on and just was watching it and processing it. And I felt like I need to respond to this somehow. I need to make some kind of statement. And I'm a verbal communicator, not a written communicator. And if you've ever read my emails, you know that to be true. Um, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to put, I put out videos every day. I'd already put out a devotional thought for the day, but I'm like, I'm going to respond to this. But I did not do it for, until hours later. Because what I was praying is, is, Lord, the last thing that my church needs is more drama. But what they need is some wisdom and some biblical truth. So what is it that you want me to say? I'm just being real with you. I was working this word in my life. Church, let's not be drama llamas. When I was in high school, that's what they used to call it. We had t-shirts that said, stop, stop the drama llama. Like, because if you ever had llamas, anybody here ever had a llama? That's a, that's a dramatic animal because it spits everywhere. Like, it spits when it loves you, it spits when it hates you, and it always spits at you. It's like, it's very dramatic. Let's not be that way. Let's step into situations with stability. And there is no greater stability than the foundation of God's word in our life. Let's live it, church. Let's just not talk about it. Let's be the church. This morning, uh, you were given communion. Worship team, if you'd come back to the platform at this time, we're gonna take communion together. I think this is a good message to have communion around. Biblical truth, Jesus came. He lived among us. God's son came and walked in our shoes, died and rose again so that you and I could have freedom in Jesus Christ. He loves us. He loves us this morning. If you take your communion and get ready, we'll take the elements together. Robbie, can you just play something on the keyboard for just a moment? Talk about a dramatic time. Jesus had insight to what was coming when the night he gathered with his disciples for the first communion service. He knew the road that he would have to walk. It wasn't going to be easy. It was going to be incredibly challenging. Here he is gathered with these guys that mean so much to him. For three years, they walked together. They changed lives together. They stepped into moments of people's lives that were so filled with muck and mire and pain and rejection. And here they were, the first ministry team ever established, and they walked into places where the culture said you can't go. They walked into places, into people's lives that the religious establishment said don't go there. Those people aren't worthy of the message of God. 
They stepped into every situation not to bring more drama, to bring biblical truth and stability. Talk about drama. Jesus is there. He loves these guys. Yet he knows one of them sitting at the table will betray him. And under all that heart, he still walks this through. He doesn't add more drama. He takes a moment to bring stability to their life. You have two elements before you. The first one is the wafer, the bread, which symbolizes the body of Christ. Would you hold that element for just a moment? Jesus would walk down a road of suffering and, and show us endurance. He would show us the resurrection power. Suffering is something that every person in this room will go through from time to time. But the same power available for Jesus to walk out his road of suffering is available for you today. You don't have to do it alone. Maybe you've played church for a long time, but today you need a savior. You need to stop the drama and you need Jesus. Can we just pray together? If you need a savior today, I want to pray for you. Whether you're here or you're online. Jesus, I'm a sinner, which means I'm broken. I'm lost. I got so much drama in my life. It's not even funny. But I need stability. And the only stability that's going to hold up is you. Jesus, I declare right now that you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, that you rose again, and you are calling me into a relationship with you. Lord, change my life from the inside out. Lord, and begin to teach me biblical truths so that I can follow you. Lord, we thank you for the bread which symbolizes the body that was broken on the cross. In this room this morning and watching online, there are those walking through a season of suffering in their life. But God, you can bring them through. What you did on the cross, the suffering you were endured, there is power in that. And there's power to be found in the moments of our suffering. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken. Let's take the bread, the element together right now. Jesus also had a cup with him. And in the cup was wine, and it was a symbol of Jesus' blood. As you wrestle with your, your cup to get it open. His blood was shed and poured out. You have to understand up to that point, the only way that you could somewhat even be right with God was the shedding of blood. But every animal was in some way impure. It wasn't a good enough sacrifice to purchase our freedom. And sin, see, it, 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 it makes things impure. 
but Jesus had no sin. Amen. He was the ultimate sacrifice. And your freedom, my freedom, was bought long before you and I ever were born, before we made a decision or a choice. Jesus said, I'll pay it all in full today. And he paid with his blood that was shed on the cross. The songs that we sang earlier and that we'll sing in just a moment about his shedding of blood. It's an interesting thing, only in God's kingdom can the shedding of blood wash you as white as snow. Every single one of us in this room fails. Every one of us has stepped into a situation and brought more drama than stability. But thank goodness for the grace of our Savior who does not count us against us, but says, son or daughter, there's another day, there's a new day, let's move forward. And let's bring stability instead of drama to the situations that you're about to face. Would you hold the cup up this morning? Jesus, we thank you for the precious blood you shed on the cross. It was a one-time deal. And Lord, you said, I'm not only covering those who have come before me or the present, but every generation yet to come. I'll pay for their freedom. Lord, we thank you that you loved us so much. And today you chase after us. You've unleashed your Holy Spirit to come into our life and convict us and to help shape us and mold us and draw us closer to you. None of that possible without the work you did on the cross and the shedding of your blood. Death had to come for resurrection to come. So Lord, as we take this cup, we know this. Not only were we purchased at a price, but you gave us the gift of your spirit. The same power that raised you from the grave is alive and well today and resides in every believer that follows you. May your resurrection power be present in our life in the days, weeks, and months ahead. May we cut through the drama. Lord, may we cling to biblical truths. We give you praise, glory, and honor. Let's take the cup this morning together. Church, would you rise to your feet? Mike's going to lead us, and our worship team is going to lead us in a few songs of corporate worship. We started the service today kind of on a somber moment. It's a tough message today as well. Deep spiritual truths, a lot of conviction. But we're leaving here today on a celebration high because the king is here and he's worthy to be praised. He's cutting through our drama right now in your life. I believe it. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to fill your life in a brand new way as we worship together. I'll come back and close you in a final prayer. But Mike, worship team, would you lead us to the throne room once again? We sang this last month after communion and we just like to thank Jesus for what he did for us sing with us thank you Jesus for the blood applied thank you Jesus it has washed me white thank you Jesus you have saved my life from the darkness, darkness.
exalted, risen and exalted one, Jesus. More love. we close out our worship experience today, I want to pray for you. And uh, look, the last two weeks, these are tough messages to preach. They're probably tough messages to hear. And I understand that. Life's kind of like a roller coaster at times. Uh, there's ups and there's downs. Next week, I'm excited because the scripture takes a turn and we start to, we can really celebrate some great things next week. And so it's going to be a great service with our college students here. 
After that, we've got BGMC weekend. We've got a night of worship on a Friday night. Ladies, there's this great event with Mary Ann or Chocolates and Jesus. Maybe we'll do a men's event at some point, bacon and Bibles, I don't know. But... <laughs> You know, we're great opportunities. There's an invite that you, hopefully you got with your, with your bulletin this morning. If not, pick up an invite for that. Invite someone to come to that, ladies, on that Saturday. And then uh, two weeks from today, we'll have our BGMC service with our kids. It's just, there's some great things happening. But I do know that the weight today of things is heavy. And I, I want to pray for you as we pray over our tithes and offerings. So if you're going to give in our tithes and offerings, if you've already gave, that's fine too. But if you've got your ties with you, if you want to pull that out, because I want to pray a blessing over that. Lord, we thank you today, God, for the opportunity to give to your kingdom. There's no better investment that we can make than, Lord, ties and offerings to the kingdom of God. Lord, because we know you're wanting to change and transform lives. And this church is committed to walking that out. In, in creative, new ways that stretch us at times. So Lord, we pray a blessing over our offering, over every person who gives. Lord, there's a blessing that comes when we tithe. Lord, I pray a blessing over their finances, their jobs, their homes. Lord, I pray as our hearts turn closer to you, as we've been wrestling through this series, God, of of just not walking out what we've always done, but actually just digging in the word and just going, is there a better way to do ministry? Is there a better way to, to, to live our lives? You have been faithful to speak to us. You've challenged us in some great ways. And this morning, you challenge us in the area of stopping the drama. Lord, for some here today, this week, and the situations they've paced over the last few weeks, it just seems like the drama level is getting higher and higher. But Lord, we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to be unleashed. And that God, we have a choice. We have a choice not to continue to crank the dial up, but to turn it down. And to stop with the drama and just focus on your truth in the moment. You're there. You're speaking to us. You'll answer us. You'll move on our behalf as we continue to walk in your ways. God, if we've blown it this week or... or or with something even this morning, Lord, we just say, forgive us. We want to we change that, that attitude, that thing that we did, the way we responded, we're sorry. When we cranked it up, the drama up this week, when we should have been dialing it down, Lord, we're sorry. And we thank you for your grace to step into this week and give it another go. Lord, we want to be the church you're creating us to be. Lord, I pray every person as they lead today know knows that they're not condemned by you, but God, they are loved by you. You are excited about their life, the journey that they're on. And Lord, you're just getting started. The best is still yet to come. So Lord, as we work through our junk, we give you praise, glory, and honor that great days lie ahead for us. As our families, as individuals, and for this church, the best is still yet to come. In Jesus' mighty name, and God's people said, amen. amen. You can give to the Lord on your way out. It's great having you here. We will see you next Sunday. I will worship you with all of my heart. And I will worship you with all of my mind. With all of my strength, 